Which position battle are we watching for this Saturday's 8 day game? We'll tell you on today's Locked On Auburn. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me as he does every single Monday, Lindsey Crosby, writer at AuburnDaily.com, also the host of Locked On MLB Prospects. It is A-Day week, Lindsey. We thought it would never get here, but this spring is flying by. And just a quick note to everyone. There's a lot of people that say A-Day doesn't mean anything. And there's a lot of people that says A-Day means a lot when the reality is somewhere in the middle. So we're going to kind of detail that process throughout this week. Today's uh, today's topic about A-Day that we're tackling is what's the biggest position battles that we are most excited to see. And Lindsay, you and I were chatting beforehand, and I think linebacker is the place where we need to start because it's the position group where throughout these scrimmages, throughout these media viewing windows and practice, it's the position group where we've seen the most amount of faces taking reps with the ones. I mean, it's kind of a wide open thing where you look at the linebackers that transferred in. Demario Tolan from LSU, he, he's wearing number zero. Or number 12, Austin Keys, the transfer from Ole Miss. That's kind of the guys that we expected, Lindsey. Mm -hmm. going into spring, but lately we've heard a lot about Wesley Steiner, number 32, and number 17, um, Woodyard, is another guy that we've heard so much about that is kind of, kind of making a late run. So I think who they trot out first will be really, really interesting to see. Yeah, and it's something, I mean, I've talked about this a ton on this show. The room wasn't good last year, right? I mean, oh. it, you had the number one player in the room, Owen Papo, leaving for the NFL. And right. so you've got... Uh, you had Steiner and Riley. You got, you saw snaps come away from those guys at the very end of the season and, and kind of be redistributed to some other guys. Um, I do think that, obviously, you brought in Tolan and Keys for a reason, but I don't think, and it just correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like with this coaching staff, nobody's guaranteed a position. Nobody's guaranteed a starting spot. And so they're going to have to show that they've picked up this defense and that they can do what... Hugh Freeze and Ron Roberts are looking for to make this happen. Yep. And I think a lot of people, because he didn't play a lot last year, I think a lot of people are kind of writing off uh, Wesley Woodyard. I just, he, he feels, Robert Woodyard. Robert me, Woodyard. I do that all the Robert, time. Yeah. I do that all the time. <laughs> Robert Woodyard feels, I mean, he's so underrated. We don't even get his name right. It just, <laughs> it, it just feels like he's a guy that doesn't necessarily get the attention that he deserves. And I think he's going to be a true a, a, a tone setter in that room. I'm with you. I'm with you. And just who they dress out, you know, as starters and who they dress out as the twos is going to be telling because I think that's the only way to kind of say, this is the current pecking order with all of this. And people get so upset when I'm like, yes, there is a pecking order. And they're like, well, Hugh Freeze says there wasn't. And I'm like, well, there's going to be starters and there's going to be a second team yeah. on Saturday. Sorry. You got like, to deal with that. Like clarifying, Hugh Free says there's not a pecking order, as in there is not a written depth chart distributed to the media that says this guy is first team, this guy is second team. But when you send players out to play the game, 
Everybody can't go at the same time. That's what we're talking about when we say a pecking order. It's literally who gets to go first. Yeah, and, and the team's aware. I mean, I've talked to players that that were upset that were starting earlier in spring, and then they were upset when uh, they were not starting later in spring. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, that, it's it's discussed. So, get out of here with all of that. And in sure, words, you want to say it's semantics. That's cool. I don't care. Whatever. But there is a first team and a second team. To address that real quick, in the words of Braves third base coach third base coach Ron Washington, if you don't like it, play better. Yikes. Bravestoday.com for more Braves content right there. Lindsey Crosby. We got you. Uh, yeah, and then like Cam Riley, number 13, is a guy that was we thought could possibly take the next step, but we just haven't seen anything or heard anything from Cam Riley, which I think is really, really telling. All right, so my prediction is the first two guys out there are Woodyard and Steiner, which may ruffle some feathers, but that is my prediction. I think Tolan may be a starter, but I think he is a game plan piece. I don't know if he's going to be a guy that you roll out in your base. I think you may, you know, if you're playing a more athletic quarterback, he may get more reps, so you may ask him to cover a little bit more, or if you want to have more of a blitz-heavy um, type situation, I think you may put him in more, and he may play like a starter but I think he's going to be a game plan piece in a Ron Roberts defense. So I think the first two guys out there as we record this Sunday evening uh, is Woodyard and Steiner. The next position group, Lindsay. Yeah. Okay. My prediction, I think it's going to be Woodyard and Keys. Okay. And that's something where it's like just based on what we've seen in spring and kind of based on the fact they went out and they got both of those guys. And I feel like they got, like Austin Keys to me feels like the one that they went out and got for a reason. They pictured him in the defense. So I've got Woodyard and Keys with again, like you said, using Tolan in kind of a rotational, situational uh, kind of setup there. I think that makes sense. And when you look at eligibility left, Tolan has more time. Keys, Keys, an older player. So mm-hmm. there you go. There you go. Once again, Keys is number twelve. That's going to look a little weird, I think, for some Auburn fans. On Saturday, the next one is the wide receiver group. We won't spend as much time talking about this because I think we've really just drilled this into the ground. But I think the groupings that we see for wide receiver and the quarterbacks that are throwing to them will be super, super telling, especially if they limit Camden Brown. I think there's a few reasons to limit Camden Brown, who is wearing four this year. It's not Tank Bixby, it's Camden Brown. But He's, I mean, a few people have seen him like where he's like nicked up his, um, his ankle. I I think he was in a boot, but he like practiced the next day. So it's not a big deal, but how precautionary do they want to be with him? We'll certainly see, but if that's the case, then we'll see like two through four or two through five, depending on, you know, the, the sets that they're in. And also like who slotted at certain spots, like can Coy Moore play inside and outside, and landing King move to the inside. Like, how are they going to use certain players? I think that's going to be more interesting than the order for wide receiver, just because I think a lot of this room leaves, Lindsay. I think there's going to be several of these guys that get processed because they're going to want new wide receivers to come in. Mm-hmm. But if there are three wide receivers, my prediction is you'll see Camden Brown, number four, Coy Moore, number zero, and Nick Mardner. I can't wait for a lot of people to see Nick Mardner for the first time wearing number eight. And if there's four wide receivers, I think it's those three guys, then Javaris Johnson at number six at the opposite slot, opposite Coymore. Yeah, I don't have a lot of argument there on which wide receivers. I think the big thing for me, you touched on it, is 
how often do you see three versus how often do you see four? You've got uh, these tight ends. They bring in Roberto yeah. Fairweather, who's been on the field a ton in spring. Uh, I've heard good things they've had to say about Michael Riley Ducker. And so how much do you see four receivers in a back versus three, a tight end in a back versus two receivers, two tight end in the back. So for me, Brown, Moore, Mardner, that makes sense as, as far as the order, but I want to see how often are we actually in four wides? How often do we have multiple tight ends on the field? And then do we try to throw from those multiple tight end sets? And do yeah. we try to run from the three or four wide receiver sets? That's what I'm looking for, I think. Yep, yep. And I, and I think you can make the argument for seeing all sorts of things on Saturday. So can't wait to see that. All right. Who's the number two corner? And also, why aren't we talking about quarterbacks? We'll tell you in just a moment right here on Locked On Auburn. Lindsay, you know, I know if you're watching and listening, you probably know that Built Bar is the best protein bar in the world. The Built March Madness bracket is wrapping up. I think there's still time for you to vote and win a bunch of cool stuff. Head over to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorite, whether it's a bar, whether it's a puff. Um, if you vote, you can get a free box of built. 50 lucky locked on listeners will do that. And also, one locked on fan will uh, win a 12 month subscription to built to have built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to their door. That's pretty cool. That's pretty neat. And if you get the churro box, uh, you can invite Lindsay over and y'all can just eat churros together. It'd be very, very fun. Very, very fun. So head over to builtmarchmadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff. And thank you so much to Built Bar for partnering with the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Lindsay, the number two corner. You know I love DBs, specifically cornerbacks. DJ James, number four, he is him. Mm -hmm. It's who's going to be opposite of him. And this has become a closer battle than I expected it to be. Largely because, not because I thought Pritchett like was great, and I think Pritchett's better than a lot of people think he is, but... I wasn't positive like Keontae Scott and Kane Lee would be outside corners, but this staff likes them as outside corners. So uh, to me, who, who trots out first opposite DJ James and who runs reps with the second team is going to be very, very telling. Nehemiah Pritchett, number 18, obviously was the guy last year. And now Kane Lee, who's number three, once again, he's going to kind of make his Auburn debut. A lot of Auburn fans are going to get the chance to see him for the first time. He'll be wearing number three, number three on the field, number one in our heart. I think Keontae Scott, we all know and love, number six, um, kind of going to play more of that outside role. And normally, J.D. Rim would be in this conversation, but he he's out and appears to be out for the remainder of spring, which is a total, total bummer. But yeah, the, the pecking order of this one's going to be fun too, Lindsay. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can go. And th this is one of those, if there was not a change in coaching staff, I'd feel pretty confident, like money-wise, in saying, yeah, Nehemiah Pritchett's the guy because he was the guy last year. Yeah, And we all know how coaches love to reward the veteran with the token honorary start or the first team reps or whatever that stuff is. And so sure. it make would make sense. You know, larger frame, he has that outside frame, 6'1", 180 or so. And again, the experience. But... There's a very good argument to be made that Kay and Lee and Keontae Scott have different talents they can bring in. Uh, Lee is the interesting one to me because only 5'11", and that's only 5'11 on the roster, which means he's probably actually like 5'9.5 or maybe 5'10". Yeah. Kind of how this works. And so I'm curious to see how interchangeable some of these smaller, relatively speaking, guys 
like a Kayan Lee, like a Keontae Scott, are with your outside receivers who are bigger. I'm sorry, your outside quarterbacks who are bigger, theoretically a little more stout in uh, in run support as well as pass coverage. Curious to see how that breaks down and yeah. really just kind of learn from you and your insights on this because this is your your His lane. Footwork. You, His footwork work. is so good. His footwork accounts for you know the three or four inches you know where where he may not be as tall as some of these other guys and just also like the awareness of where the football is and I, I don't I don't think that's something that Auburn corners have always had college corners have always had. I mean it's yeah. tough the ones that are good at that get drafted and make millions and millions of dollars so I think Kay and Lee is going to make millions and millions of dollars one day um, he may be now who knows what his nil situation is but. I think uh, I, I think it's Nehemiah Pritchett that'll run out first because I don't think you want Nehemiah Pritchett to transfer, Lindsay. I, I think you have to start him at A-Day and make sure that he feels happy because you need him. Even if you don't start Nehemiah Pritchett in the fall, you need him on the roster. And so I think you see 18 out there first, and I think you see Kay and Lee second, and I think you see uh, Keontae Scott um on the field, probably more as a nickel, but we'll certainly see what all that looks like. Yeah, and that's a that roster management point. That's always the tough part of this, right? That's that little bit of question that we have is, you know, what uh, what are they thinking about off of the field? And in this case, like you said, it's depth, it's veteran experience. You need, I mean, if Kay and Lee's the second guy, that's a true freshman out there. And so, what happens if there's an injury? I understand the argument of we're going to take Nehemiah Pritchett and put him in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, for first team reps just to be safe. Regarding quarterback, we didn't start with quarterback and we're not uh, and Lindsay, I I just don't know how much it matters which quarterback runs out there first on Saturday. I think it'd be fun regardless of whoever it is, we're totally going to run with it. If it's TJ, if it's Robbie, if it's Holden Gurner, like regardless of who's at quarterback, I think it's going to be fun to see, but Sawyer Pate maybe Sure. The goat. That's there's five. only there's only five on the roster. So uh, right. Right. And only only three on scholarship until the baby goat Hank Brown gets here. But I think I still think the starting quarterback. I don't think he's here yet. I still don't think he's here yet. So I just have a hard time kind of saying like that's the position battle to watch. Yeah, it's something we've seen mixed reviews for all three guys. It feels like the last week or so, you've heard a lot more positive talk about Holden Garner and what he's able to do uh, in yeah. practice, what he's been doing with the ones and things like that. But as we've talked about the entire time, you're in a scenario where you can't get the entirety of a look at Robbie Ashford unless your quarterbacks are live. Right. And he's just now getting over being hurt in the fall the last thing you want to do is make him live in the spring and him potentially get hurt again. So well, it sounds like he's banged up now anyway. So like how active is he at a day? Right? Yeah. And it's, so it's like, so it, like, in that case, you've got holding Garen or TJ Finley are your only, are your only two scholarship quarterbacks at a day. And so obviously one, they're not active, but you can only learn so much when a guy is not afraid of being hit. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of the big takeaway. And, all of the draft prep and stuff like that that you watch, all of it comes down to how does the guy respond when the pocket is collapsing? Can he still keep his eyes downfield? Can he still complete a pass when he can't step into it? And all right. of that. And even in in a live situation like this, unless you can get hit, which we're not going to do at A-Day, you don't really know how that guy's going to do because in the back of his head, he knows he's not in any danger. So sure. 
That's the big question. We saw Holding Garner limited, limited snaps last year, and obviously he looked like a deer in the headlights because it was his first snaps in college, and, and a, that was and the offensive really, line he was behind. It was a bad offensive line. It was a crappy offensive scheme. I mean, it's the poor kid. You know. God, I'd have fired that guy who, who, who came up with that. Yeah. Um, and so what are we going to learn and like you said, is the new, is the new is the guy the starter even on campus? And if he's not, where is he? Because if he's in the SEC, he can't transfer here. So yeah, no, I, I don't he? think he's. I don't think he's in the SEC. I do not think he is because he can't be. He can't be. He can't be. Uh, unless there's some weird waiver rules, which maybe that's part of it. I'm just I wouldn't bank on that because we're not Georgia, and so we're just not going to get that. <laughs> we're not going to get that treatment like they are. So um, when you look at when you look at who trots out there first, do you expect them to prime? Like, do you expect whoever the starter is for a day to like be the starter for the entirety? Or do you expect it to be like a true rotation? Like, do you think, let's say Robbie's the first one out there. Or T, let's say TJ's the first one out there. Cause I don't know how they handle the whole Robbie's being hurt thing. So yeah. if TJ's out there first, do you give them three series and then you pull them and then you give three to Robbie and then three to Holden? Or do you say, no, you're with the starters. You're with the twos. You're with the three. How, how do you expect that to look? I think a lot of it's going to be, if it's me, what I want to see as a fan, I want to see the guys rotate because I want to see how each of the quarterbacks works with the number one wide receivers, the number one tight end, number one running back. That's what I want to see. Now, as a coaching staff, I don't know if they make a different decision because they're like, hey, we're going to we're going to make the roles and we have the pecking order. We don't have a depth chart, but we have the pecking order. We're going to keep the guys in it. But as a fan, I want to see like I want to see Cam Brown catch a back shoulder deep ball from holding Garner. And then I want to see TJ Finley try it. I want to see can he make that same pass? How does he look throwing to these guys? Is like, can anybody overthrow Nick Martin? He's six foot six. Somebody's going to try, probably TJ Finley, because yes, he's the only one can. who's looking down, yes. you know. Yes, they, they uh, can miss him. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, Sadly. I want to see how they do with these guys. Does the giant catch radius of Nick Martin outweigh the, uh, the inaccuracy on the run of some of these quarterbacks? I want to see I, these things. I get it. I get it. All right, coming up, Lindsey's going to share his three players he's most excited to see during your day. That coming up right here on Locked On Auburn. want to encourage you to join the Locked On Auburn Discord. It is free. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description down below on YouTube or audio. It is there. And also check out our written work at auburndaily.com. Lindsey, who are you most excited to see at A-Day on Saturday? So let me preface this with saying that unlike most people who come on the show and things like that, I have not been going to practice. I have not been watching in spring in person and seeing all of these guys perform. So number one for me is number 15, Keldrick Falk. Mm. Uh, he's a he's a Jack. He's a freshman listed at 6'6", 275. And I think the big question for me, like I've heard him described as an athletic long pass rusher that works really well off the edge. I want to see, does Keldrick Falk, to me, the, I like to think, somewhat informed observer watching from the stands, does he look like he belongs on an SEC defensive line in an SEC defense? Because we've yeah. talked about Elijah McAllister is going to be the guy 
to open the year. You brought him in for this reason. He's incredibly experienced. He's on like his 12th year of college. You know, he he, he knows his inside and out now. Yeah. But does Keldrick Falk physically and then the speed with which he plays, not only how fast does he move, but mentally how quickly does he shift from, say, pass rushing to pursuit of a ball carrier, things like that, does he play quick enough to be a uh, to make an impact in the SEC in the fall, and I just don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that I've heard, everything that I've seen, the numbers I've seen, six six two seventy five, all of that right. make me think that he is. But I need to see it for myself because, as an outside observer, I'm a little bit nervous about the pass rush uh, because you didn't necessarily go out and bring in a number two uh, Jack like you did last year, where you end up having three guys. Mm-hmm. And you needed them because you lost one of the top three because of Eculiotis pectoral injury. Yeah, I, I also wonder if they expected Dylan Brooks to be more at this point. And you know, maybe th- can he turn it on? Can he sh- can he put on a show on Saturday? We'll see. We'll see. I think it's a good one. Yeah, everybody look for uh, number fifteen, Keldrick Falk, on um, on Saturday. All right, who's your number uh, number two? Number two for me, kind of a cop out, but the entire offensive line. Right, we we mentioned this in the previous segment. The offensive line has been. So bad at Auburn sure. for a couple seasons now. Well, we they make a they do a ton of work. They bring in I if I count this right, they brought in eight players for the offensive line between freshmen and transfers. You know, like Gunnar Britton, Avery Jones, Dylan Wade, Xavier Miller, and then Clay Weed and Braden Joyner, Connor Lou, Tyler. John, they brought in eight players, and so I mean, entirely new offensive line. You're looking at a, a brand new group. I want to see how well do they look playing together. Uh, it's hard to evaluate the pass protection when, the, again, quarterbacks aren't live. Uh, the, the rushers have a little bit of a pull-up because they know they can't hit the quarterback. But I want right. to see, uh, run game-wise, can they open holes? Do they look like they're playing together and that they're starting to build that chemistry? And then the big thing, because it really bugs me, and I, it's hard to evaluate in spring, but do they get false starts at home? Because that's one of those things I feel like our unit last year did way too much was draw false starts at home. Yeah. I so can they play as a cohesive unit? Can they you know fire off the ball together? Can they make holes in the running game? That's what I want to see because ultimately I think it doesn't matter who you have back there at quarterback if the offensive line isn't playing significantly better than they were last year. Sure. Nope. I get it. I get it. Last um last name before we wrap up. Last name, uh, safety Marquise Gilbert, number 14. I love that. Uh, he he was the number one Juco college safety before he came to Auburn. Right. Only got in four games last year. Some of it was health-related from what I understand. He didn't make his first tackle to Mississippi State later he in the got, schedule. He got here late, too. Yeah. So he's had a full, uh, he's had a full year. He's had a full offseason. What can he do, and can he take one of those safety spots? Because a lot of the conversation we've had has been about the versatility of a Donovan Kaufman some of these other guys, but you have to have stability on the back end to be able to take a guy like Donovan Kaufman and move him around to different positions. So going to be watching for Marquis Gilbert. He's got the size, the 6'2", the long length that you like to see in the secondary. You go back and you look at his, uh, his, his Juco stats, more than 50 tackles, two interceptions. Like He's got the physicality you need to come down and run support. How does he do over the top defending the deep ball? Uh, can he can he get a starting spot on this defense? Because I think it opens a lot of options for you with some of your hybrid players. So I'm a big Patriots fan, and so my this statement may be a little biased, but when I watch him, 
I see Kyle Duggar, who has become an exceptional player in the league. He was a D2 guy, right? Mm -hmm. and drafted in the second round as a D2 player. Like, um, from the JUCO ranks to the SEC, like, it probably took him a second. It probably took him a season to uh, to adjust. And, I mean, you're not really hearing a whole lot about Donovan Coffin. So, like, I kind of wonder, you know, could, could Marquise Gilbert be a starting safety next to Jalen Simpson? And I think he... I think he could. I think he could. So I love that one. I love that one. Lindsay, how can people uh, how can people check out everything you've got going on? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show, Locked in MLB Prospects, available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. You can find the Auburn Baseball writing, auburndaily.com. And also, I am editor-in-chief of bravestoday.com. You can find all my written work at auburndaily.com as well. And we will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.